It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the Smoky Mountain Organics VolQuest.com podcast with Austin Price and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us. Be sure and check out Smoky Mountain Organics online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com or visit one of their four locations, including their Knoxville store, which is across from Trader Joe's on Kingston Pike at 8018. If you're visiting them in the store, mention VolQuest, you get a 15% off discount off your total purchase. If it's an in-store purchase, you can also purchase online as well. That's Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store. All right, guys, plenty to get to as Tennessee gets back to action this week to take on the Kentucky Wildcats after an open date. Let's just start with the Wildcats. What do we, Rob Lewis, what do we make of that deal Saturday night in Starkville? And what do we make of Kentucky right now? I don't think Kentucky's very good. I'm not thought this all year. Their whole Kentucky's entire reputation as a good football team is based on them beating Florida on a night when everything went right for them. They blocked the kick. Florida had you know a gajillion penalties. And newsflash, Florida's not that good either. Every, every person in America that thinks Kentucky's a good football team bases it off that. They've beaten South Carolina 16-10. to 10. They beat Missouri 35-28. to 28. They needed a pick six to beat UT Chattanooga. By, by five in Lexington. I just I don't think Kentucky's very good. I think Tennessee wins. I'm not sure it's close. I'm going to agree with Rob. I, I I I just think they're not very good. I've said that for for several weeks as well. Um, again, they're really good in spots, Brent. He's improved that roster immensely in certain areas, but their their problems are still their problems, and their problems are are on offense. You know, I mean. You know, the, to me, they're super one-dimensional. They love to throw it to the same kid over and over and over again, which, I mean, like, you know, hey, listen, man, if you got Calvin Johnson, that's great. He's no Calvin Johnson. So, um, I just think that they are a really solid football team that's super one-dimensional that has benefited from the fact they play um, a, a weak schedule. They, they did beat Florida, which Tennessee can't do. Let, let's, let's put that out there. Um, you know, but they took advantage of the fact that LSU is, you know, in shambles. And then again, they're th- he's three and six. He's two and six against the Vols. He's three and six against uh, Mississippi State since he got to Lexington. Again, as you were told about a month or so ago, Hubs, that Kentucky job is a really good job because why? They don't schedule anybody in the out of conference. So they got four ready made wins. So then I got to beat Vanderbilt and South Carolina and Missouri, two of those three to get to a bowl game. And then you, you, they started to kind of climb in and, and, and approach Tennessee, but they're still only three and seven against the Vols in Tennessee's worst decade ever. And, you know, they don't have anybody from the West that's really good. I mean, they're three and six against the Mississippi State program they play every year. The Vols would, would, would you know, walk to Tuscaloosa and back to never have to play them again and play Mississippi State every year. I, Again, I, I'm with Rob. I think they're pretty good up front on the defensive line. I they think are. they're hard. I think they're hard to move. I, I think that's a challenge for Tennessee this week, um, and, and I think they'll test Tennessee's patience on offense this week, Rob. I, I think that plays um, what what Kentucky does defensively plays into Mississippi State's hands favorably because they want to keep the ball in front of them, and Mike Leach wants to throw everything underneath them. Uh, I, I just, I guess my question is, I think they're better than what they played against Mississippi State. 
sure, I'll, I'll give them that. But I mean, it's, it's still, I mean, that doesn't, are they better than they, they're beating South Carolina 16 to 10? Are they better than beating, I mean, Missouri, I think we could all agree Missouri is pitiful. Rob's they, point, Rob, your point is the fact that somebody had sat there and had them in one of the first two teams out of the college football playoff, which is a joke. Uh, I mean, like if they're in the top six, then 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 you know I barely I, I you know I, I could name a hundred different things that I didn't do for the last the two months. They're they're good in the front seven. Yes, I mean, they are very good in the front seven. Secondary is weak though, and their offense is terrible. I mean, only the only two teams of the SEC that have worst offenses as far as scoring are South Carolina and Vanderbilt. Uh, I mean, Kentucky's averaging under 30 points a game, even, you know, w- with a horrid non-conference schedule where, you know, they should have been able to pass some of those stats. Um, the only people, I mean, they hit total yardage-wise, again, South Carolina and Vandy, the only people that pick up less per game. I just think, I mean, I don't think they're going to be able to keep Tennessee under 30, and I think Kentucky has no chance of getting 30. All the more important, Brent, that Cade Mays plays, because to your point, how they do – how they do, um, you know, stay with Tennessee is getting to Hendon Hooker, getting sacks, and then not allowing Tennessee to run the ball. So if if Tennessee has a, a more healthy offensive line than they've had in some time, which goes to your point, that is going to allow Tennessee to have more success. If something happened and Cade has a setback and can't go and they've got a guy in that hodgepodge, you know, offensive line, it becomes way more difficult against the Kentucky front seven that is really good. Yeah, I just, you know, Tennessee's got to find a way to run the football um, to, to some degree to keep a team honest. Um, Mississippi State had more success running the football than, than anybody thought that they would have. I, I think it's interesting. A lot of people in Lexington are trying to figure out what's going on. You know, there's there's talk about, you know, there's some potential issues going on behind the scenes in the locker room. They've got some injuries. they got, you know, some parents out there squawking pretty loud, allegedly, and some different things like that kind of makes you wonder where Kentucky is. I was surprised by that performance by Kentucky on Saturday night coming off a bye week. You would think that that would be a really rejuvenated, really fresh football team. It, it, it wasn't, which makes you wonder where's Tennessee coming off the bye week because well, teams have not been great coming off bye weeks this year. Well, to, to your point, you would have really thought they would have taken the 10 nothing start, the punt return for a touchdown. Right. And, and the, the juice they got from that and use that as the springboard to get into the game. And then next thing you know, it's 31 10. Well, and they <laughs> turned the, unanswered by Mississippi they, State. They turned the football over a bunch. That's their biggest bugaboo, bigaboo, bugaboo, whatever, all year long, Rob. When you when you look at it, they don't force turnovers and they've turned it over a bunch. Uh, and the and and a fact that their records were at that tells you a lot about the, the schedule they've played, to your point, Rob, because not many teams in the country can have uh, that kind of turnover margin, that kind of turnover ratio, and, and be, you know, and, and still be where they're at in terms of bowl eligible and everything else because they have won games where they've turned it over a bunch because they haven't been playing great opponents. Can Tennessee force those turnovers? Because that's I mean, been their biggest issue all year long. Oh, it's, it's remarkable. They've, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is right. I think they've only forced four turnovers all season long and and have had 16 themselves. It's, I mean, as bad as they are on offense, that's impossible to overcome. It's more surprising that their record is, is as good as it is. Well, and I think that goes to your point about the schedule. And, again, if, I mean, if Florida doesn't have a gajillion penalties in that game and, and 
how many cracks did they have inside the 10 yard line? A dozen or so on that last drive. I mean, if, if, if Florida wins that game, I mean, nobody, I mean, Kentucky's sitting at five and three and nobody, you know, thinks that they're any good, which to me, they're, they're not. And I may, I may look ignorant Saturday night, but, uh, I mean, that, yeah, that's a, that's a fascinating point about the turnovers. I'm just looking at that today and to have only, I mean, when you allegedly are a defensive, you know, football team that takes care of the football and, you know, plays smart and fundamentally sound to be minus 12 on the year there. I mean, there's not even close in the league. No. I, I think Kentucky is the only team in the country with a, a winning record when you're double digit, you're, you're double digit minus, you know, in the turnover margin with where they are. It, so if they have, tw- if, if they're minus 12, how many games do they play? Eight? What is that? That's like minus, I'm not great at math, but I think that's minus 1.5 per game, which is, <laughs> I mean, that's rough. Yep. It's tough. I, I, mean, I just, uh, I'll go ahead and spoil the picks for Friday. I mean, I, I'm taking – I'm with Rob. I'm taking Tennessee. I just ultimately think that, you know, much like Tennessee's kind of got this hang-up when they see the Gator logo on the side of a helmet in, in September, they get rejuvenated. And I'm not saying Kentucky has a hang-up with Tennessee. I just think Tennessee goes into this game and says, it's Kentucky. We beat these guys. Traditionally, we beat these guys. And they play a certain way, much like – when Florida walks into the game against Tennessee, they go, it's Tennessee. We won 16 and 17. We beat these guys. And they, they play above their heads. And then, you know, the next week lose to Kentucky and then, you know, lose more and lose more. So, I mean, like, you know, I, I just think it's it's one of those type of games where you, you the kids go in knowing how a history of a series has went and they play a certain way. But And, and they may. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, I think that I, I'm – Rob and I are all in. Hubs is Debbie Downer, bro. No, I'm just listen I'm, to this. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering where Kentucky is. Where's their? You know, are they all about basketball? I mean, is it kind of over up there in terms of their? Focus no, they'll get up for this game because they want to beat Tennessee fans. Their fans will be into this game. Yeah, and and Tennessee has. I mean, Kentucky's played their best football at home, with the exception of of UT Chattanooga, which they barely beat, as, as Rob pointed out. Um, I, I think Kentucky shows. I think Tennessee. Um, should should outscore Kentucky, and sh- and I think Kentucky has a hard time keeping pace there. I just think Kentucky will play a lot better than what they played Saturday night. Oh, I agree with this. Kentucky can beat Tennessee. I just think the the, the mindset of Tennessee going in will be what I just said. I think Kentucky can't score enough. So unless Tennessee were to pull a Kentucky and and give them the turnover edge, then. I just don't think that that Tennessee will lose this football game unless they lose the turnover battle. Rob, how big of a deal is it that Tyon Evans is, is going to be right at? We think is going to be right at 100. percent Is that bigger than Cade Mays? Is that is that the biggest injury update for Tennessee if Tyon Evans is closer to what we saw pre ankle injury? Uh, I kind of almost think it's Cade just because okay. I think they work together hand in hand. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean it's, they're both big, but I just think I mean Jabari is. I mean, I think Tyon is pretty clearly better, but I think there's a bigger drop off from what you're getting, what you're having to play when Cade's out, and in in addition to having, you know, to, to shuffle, you know, play guys maybe maybe play guys out of position. I just think I think the drop off from Cade to his replacement is bigger than the drop off from Tyon to his replacement. And, and Austin, you feel pretty good. Cade's going to give it a go. Yeah, I just feel like he he knows that he's got a month left, month left to play with his brother. 
I think he, you know, I think he's pretty much 100% anyways. But if he wasn't, I think he was going to try to gut through it. Kid's pretty tough, a lot tougher than people, uh, you know, think. I, I think he's going to gut through it regardless, but I think he's pretty close to 100%. I don't think he's quite 100, but I don't. I think it's 90-ish. So I think he'll go, yeah. So we'll see what Tennessee looks like come Saturday. Boring and setback, their ankles. Well, we'll see what Tennessee looks like after a week's worth of practice and what they look like on uh, what it looks like Saturday night and uh, how Tennessee fares and goes from there against, again, a Kentucky team that um, has has not been very good offensively and has found ways to win against some teams that haven't been very good. They've not been in a lot of track meets. The only track meet they were in was with Missouri, and that's a Missouri team that um, doesn't look like they can get on the track right now in, in any way, shape, or form. So. Um, we'll have plenty more uh, football coverage coming up throughout the remainder of the week to get you ready for Tennessee and Kentucky. Several other things to get to in this podcast. We'll start with hoops. Got a little exhibition game this past Saturday, Rob. It's Lenore Ryan. Maybe you don't put a whole lot of stock in it. Maybe you do. Lots of points going on. Looks like you got a, a, a potential identity for this basketball team. Not a lot of 15-foot jumpers. Dunks and three-point shots. Is that the makeup of this basketball team? Yeah, I mean, I think that's you know, I I will still need, need to you know see a little see see that style a little bit more when when the games actually count. But you know, as Rick you know said the other day that they they've had two full blown you know inter squad scrimmages where they you know kept score and you know had you know timeouts, halftime, all that kind of thing. They had the scrimmage against Davidson, they had the exhibition on Saturday. Every all four of those instances, they put up more than forty three pointers in the game. Um, so, you know, I think they are going to play that way. I mean, that's kind of my biggest takeaway from it. I wish Fulkerson would have played. I mean, not that it would have changed my perception, but you just get a, more of a sense for what they, you know, they look like at full strength. And um, what what Fulkerson played, I would have saw for me, or not, maybe not saw, but hinted at, was whether or not Euros really has, you know, a defined role in this team. Is, or did he, is he just, is, is he just playing Fulkerson's minutes? And, you know, how many guys is Rick going to play? I'll still be surprised if it's, more than seven, maybe eight guys are, are really firmly in the rotation. And newsflash, Kennedy Chandler is pretty good. <laughs> That's where I was going next. Uh, we, we knew that Kennedy Chandler could play, and I know it's an exhibition game, but um, Rob, it's going to be really hard to keep him off the floor. I mean, that, in, in terms of no offense to, uh, you know, Muscovy, and, and maybe he plays some play off the ball, but it's hard for me not to look at this team and say, they're not going to be at their best when Kennedy Chandler's on the floor. To me, to me, to be at their best, he's going to be the engine that makes them go. Maybe that's not fair to, to, to make that assertion through one game, through one exhibition game, but that's certainly what it felt like to me on Saturday. Yeah, but it's not – for me, it's not just one exhibition game. And I've seen him practice, and he's the best player of the gym pretty, pretty much every day. Um, when they split up and go five on five, it's very rare – when Kennedy's team is, is not come out on top. Um, so, and, and again, you, I'm, not, I'm not placing it all on more Ryan because he looked like a Harlem Globetrotter, you know, for a lot of times on Saturday. I mean, just, you know, doing whatever he wanted. I mean, the kid hit seven of eight shots, was four or five from three. I think he had six assists, maybe either six or seven assists, five rebounds, and, and just one turnover. And, I mean, he's – I mean, he, he's special. There's no doubt about that. I, w- I wish I had my SEC ballot back, my preseason ballot back, because I did not vote Kennedy on the preseason first-team All-SEC team. I would now. Look, 
Huntley Hadfield. Um, I watching him in practice, I kind of was like, eh. you know, he puts up big numbers in the exhibition game. Not that he's not talented; he's obviously talented, but felt like he was a ways to go. Is that of all the things that happened on Saturday? Is that the one that's the biggest? pump your brakes type deal because of who they were playing against? Or do you think this is a guy who is learning how to practice, but knows how to play? No, I pump the brakes. I mean, I mean, there's, he's an NBA talent. No, no question. I mean, I don't know if it's this year or whatever, but he's, he's an NBA player, but I've seen that from him before practice. But then like the next day, you, you, you know, the next time you go in, he didn't, he didn't make a shot. So it's, I mean, he's, he's not nearly as consistent as Kennedy right now. And, you know, long-term, his potential is off the charts, but he's just, he is not ready right now to put those kind of performances together, you know, back to back to back, in my opinion. I could, you know, he may prove me wrong. I mean, just, and it's not about talent. I mean, he's just young and, you know, he's, he's a freshman that way, but he is prodigiously talented. I mean, he can, he, he may end up being one and done, even if, even if he doesn't start or, or average double digits, just because NBA guys will see that potential. All right, let's take Kennedy Chandler out of the equation. Biggest surprise to you from Saturday and, and what concerns you about this team, not necessarily based on Saturday, but based on the preseason so far. Yeah, I thought I thought Euros looked pretty good. I mean, like I thought he looked noticeably quicker, more, you know, more nimble, more agile. And he's still gonna be, you know, challenged a lot of nights to stay in front of guys in this league. But I I, I mean, I, I thought he looked much different physically in, in terms of just quickness he looks a little leaner and you know, doesn't I, he have to have a role on this team i mean when you look at them in the post trying to figure out sort of where they are with potential foul trouble and everything else yeah i mean if, if don't you if, think he's a guy not necessarily in the regular rotation but but he's the first guy readily available if the rotation gets off a little bit yeah i think so i mean you know he's seven foot one i mean it's a cliche right. you can't coach that and and my, I was, we were going to talk, get the concerns. My biggest concern would be rebounding. I think, you know, Olivier, I, I like Olivier, but he's, you know, he's never been in this role before where he's going to be a starter playing, you know, right now, 20 plus minutes a game. Fulkerson, everybody loves John Fulkerson, not a great rebounder. I mean, he, he, he could get shoved, shoved off his spots. Um, you know, he can kind of get bullied down there by a lot of guys. Um, has, has never, you know, just that's he can do a lot of things to help you win a lot of things at a high level, but rebounding is, is not his strength. So to me, that's that's my biggest concern. And one reason I think Eurosh has to have a role, even if it's a small, you know, even if it's 10, 12 minutes a game, you, you gotta be able to use size like that. And especially a dude has missed three, you know, your other seven footer has missed essentially three weeks of practice. If he's gonna get I, and know, has been injury prone. And that, that to me feels like a guy that Rick's going to leave behind. You know, I could be wrong about that. Maybe Jonas is able to play his way back into the rotation. But, you know, Rick's like, you know, like one of those college professors, you miss the first two or three days of class and he's not spending any time to catch you back up. Yeah. And I know post defense has been, a, and rebounding is always a concern, but post defense has been a huge point of emphasis for the last. Um, the last few, few weeks or the last week and a half or so. And, so, so to figure that out and, and to, to get whoever – I mean, if you're also play some defense and rebound the basketball, he'll play a lot of minutes. If, if that's the only thing he worries about is, is keeping somebody in front of him on the defensive end of the floor and rebounding the basketball, he's going to have a niche for some quality minutes for this team because 
I just, as you mentioned, they don't have a lot of guys who have proven their ability to do that. So uh, we'll see how this team develops. Certainly a, a fast start and, and one that uh, got uh, some fans who were there in attendance interested and uh, a, a team that's going to get better. Uh, and, and again, I mean, I think Kennedy Chandler did nothing to show anybody other than what we already knew, and that's he was a really good basketball player. While the basketball team was playing, Austin, Tennessee was on the road recruiting everywhere on the football front. A lot of junior college buzz. Tennessee offers a DB on Monday from Kilgore Community College in Texas. Rodney Garner offers a defensive tackle from Independence Community College in Kansas. Are you surprised at some of the JUCO work that Tennessee is getting done? I knew they go evaluate some guys. Are you surprised at kind of the movement and the JUCO world coming out of this weekend? No, that you know, they've been really kind of scouring the JUCO ranks for quite some time. You go back about six weeks ago, they offered, was it three or four defensive backs? Um, that was part of that that kind of like two or three day span where they offered Zoff Frazier and there's several of those kids um over in Kansas. Um, you know, so no, I mean I'm not. I, Trey Johnson works on the defensive side and recruiting office. I mean, he's constantly scouring the JUCO ranks. Um, they they have guys on the staff that have ties to the JUCO ranks. And so, you know, when you get out there and you make an emphasis to go see some of those kids, you're inevitably going to get there and go, that's a good-looking kid. What's his story? And then you find a little more, and then you start watching a little more tape, and you go, this might be a find, and then you offer. Um, So, no, I'm not surprised at all that they've kind of dipped into the JUCO ranks. they got to take multiple defensive backs in this class. Um, You know, guys in the secondary probably looking at five guys um, between now and the end of the signing class. They got to take some defensive linemen. So, you know, they're going to keep recruiting the Cody Joneses and the Walter Nolans of the world, but, you know, there's not a whole lot of names out there in the, in the high school ranks. Josh Heupel says that they were received really well across the state of Tennessee. Is there, is there a noticeable difference in terms of reaction to Tennessee across the state based on the fact this team's four and four and they put up some offensive numbers and they've got a sense of an identity on both sides of the ball? Yeah, I mean, I do think the tide has turned, uh, you know, across the state of Tennessee. Um, you know, so, I mean, you know, I, 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 there's just more juice there, you know. I mean, there's more juice overall. I mean, it, it's what happens when you can be competitive, uh, show an exciting brand of football to play, and, um, you know, kind of take a, step, take a step in the right direction when it comes to uh, showing uh, on-the-field tangible proof to these kids. I mean, if you think about it, the first three months, kids couldn't come on campus. He had nothing to show. So there was no much, not much juice. They got a couple of commitments here and there. Started out with Elijah Herring. Then it kind of picked up a little bit more. Taven Jackson committed. Then all of a sudden the dead period lifted. But still at that point, you could not show tangible proof of on-the-field product. You could talk about what you've done at UCF, what you've done at other stops as coordinators and so on and so forth. But it was a long time between when Josh Heupel got here and that first game with all the cloud hanging over and all that other stuff going on, you know, it, it, it seemed like a lot longer than normal when Tennessee's had these changes. And so to finally get to that point, you know, they've been able to, you know, again, have an exciting brand of football on offense, score some points. They've been competitive against teams that most people, you know, haven't seen them be competitive against in a while. And, you know, thus I think they do have uh, kind of a, uh, you know, they've kind of turned the, turned the corner a little bit, um, you know, with some of this stuff. Is it, is it a bigger deal for the defense that there's something on paper or on tape, or is it a bigger deal for the offense? 
Both. I mean, I mean, because I think offensively, everybody knew what Josh Heupel was all about, right? That's an easier. That's easier to sell to recruits. This is what we do. Go back and look at the last four or five years. Tim Banks going. I don't have anything for you to see. Talk to me in October. Fair. Well, I still think it's both, though. I mean, you know, you heard Josh Heupel talk about it last week. You know, when I asked that exact question about being able to show something. And, you know, he, he talked about, you know, when he, when, you know, we talked to kids or met with kids once the day period lifted, you know, well, all you could really say was, well, here's what we did at these other schools. Like, it's different, though, when you can say, hey, here's what we're doing now, here and now, in the present. Um, so, no, I think it's both. I mean, yes, you're right. I think that you bring up a great point. Tim Banks was this great unknown coming into the season, and what he's gotten out of uh, this group of defense that had given up, limitless points and yards for the last several years has been impressive, but uh, I think it's still overall, it's the whole kit and caboodle, not just one side of the ball or the other. Should be interesting to see what happens. Uh, everybody watched a good bit of college football over the weekend. What was your take from, from not having to cover a Tennessee game and, and sort of watching some college ball? Did you take away anything from the weekend? I'll, um, tell, you what I, I'll tell you what I took away. There's for the first time in a long time, to me, there's there's nobody who's running and saying, "Give me the Heisman Trophy." That that's the first thing. Maybe that's a meaningless award or or doesn't carry as much water. But it doesn't feel like that there's a handful of really great players in college football this year, as we've seen in past years. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that, but I think that goes back to the team aspect as well. I mean, you know, I mean, I think Alabama's good and and and, and but beatable. You know, hence why they lost to Texas A&M yeah. on the road. Georgia, I think, is out of this world defensively, but I still think their offense is suspect. And, and, and it, the way he handles the quarterback situation from here on out, um, and it sure looks like it's going to be Stetson Bennett, could be a real, um, a real problem, you know, the rest of the way. I just – at some point, they're going to have a bad game offensively. And then do you turn back to the guy that you've kind of turned your back on or do you, you stick with Stetson Bennett through a, you know, a, you know, a tough half? Uh, in a in a close game, um, you know their offense to me doesn't just scream national titles. Now again, their defense does, and there have been plenty of times in the past where you could just be really good on defense and marginal on offense and get the job done. But in today's modern world of scoring points, you know if they run up against a team that beats them a couple of times deep on a couple of plays and scores some points on them, I think they could be in trouble. Um, but I, I still go back to you know I just think there's parity across the board all the way all across college football, and I think that means there's less star players to your point. Um, and, and more just really good players. Uh, a couple of things. I don't – Nick Stamen's not losing to Stetson in, in, in Atlanta. I don't, I don't think. And I don't think Alabama's all that great. I just think Georgia's offense is not – can't get it done. And to AP's point, I mean, look at the NFL draft. I mean, who, there, is there a quarterback that's a for sure first-round draft pick this year? I mean, I, maybe I, – I don't know. I mean, I, there probably will be teams that are so desperate. I mean, they might talk themselves into one, but there's sure not going to be, what, five taken in the top 15 like there no. were last year? No. I mean, I think Kenny Pickett's the top the, – is the is the best NFL prospect in, in college football right now. I think that's possible. And I'll tell you another thing this week. This is earth-shattering. But – and, you know, we all watch a lot of SEC football, but we don't get to watch as much as we did this past week. I don't think – I mean, call me crazy. I don't think Tennessee's far from being the third best team in this conference. I mean, they're, they're light years from Georgia and Alabama. I don't want to – but outside of that, I mean, would LSU be a dumpster fire? 
with Jimbo not really being able to get a lot of traction at Texas A&M. I mean, Ole Miss went into this weekend, what, ranked number eight in the country? And we, I mean, we all saw, you know, a couple, couple calls or a couple plays in two weeks ago. Tennessee beats them. Yeah. I, mean, I think you got Bama and Georgia, and I think and then a, a huge of group of teams fighting it out for three through seven. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're coming up. I tell you what, I think the guy at Auburn's done a pretty good job. Now, I don't know what's going to happen to him at the end of the month, you know, and, and, and all the, the, the mandates down there with everything off the field and vaccinations <laughs> and all that. And that's for a different podcast. Anyway, Lord. On the field, that guy's done a pretty good job. Now, he's got Bo Nix. Bo Nix is helping him out because right now you got good Bo, you know, whereas you had bad Bo against Georgia State, but you've had good Bo Nix the last few weeks. And, um, you know, that, that he's done a pretty good job down there, um, much to my surprise. All right, my last thing, and I'm out the gate here on, on this podcast. Austin, do you remember, and Rob, do you remember Kenneth Walker the third? when he was playing high school football in Memphis? I do. I don't. I don't remember I anything do. about him. He, he, again, though, just didn't have a ton of traction. Again, look at a guy like Shannon Blair at Morristown – or at Morristown West, at Knox West. Going to the same school, you know, doesn't have a lot of traction uh, out there in recruiting, but ends up going to a Power 5 school, develops, you know, and we'll see if Shannon's able to do that um, when he's coming off the, 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 the knee injury. But, I mean, you know – uh, there's there's several of those kids, you know, around college football, um, you know, that are from this place or that place. He just this one just happens to be from Memphis. So well, I mean that happens um, that happens a lot. But if you'd have told if you'd have asked me middle of that game where that guy's from, there is no way in hell I could have told you he was from Memphis. Oh yeah, I knew he was. Yeah, I mean I don't remember yeah. him. I don't remember it, anything one about those, him. One of those things where he was good, not great. Question question the speed. And, and thus, they never really acted on it because they felt like he wasn't fast enough for this league. There you go. I just I didn't, I didn't remember him, so I'm I, I figured you would, but I didn't remember a whole lot about him. Or, or I, like I said, I didn't realize he was from Memphis. Until, certainly, until certainly playing well. Yes, certainly playing well in Michigan State, getting a huge win over the Wolverines uh, to stay unbeaten. Mel Tucker. Uh, Got to be right there for your National Coach of the Year honors for what he's done in a short period of time and East Lansing as well. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Smoky Mountain Organics VolQuest.com podcast. For Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.